And we are live. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Uh, so, obviously, in light of all the coronavirus bullshit, um, not a, I mean, there's obviously rumors and stuff going around about potential fights to be made in the MMA world and stuff, right? But not really as much to talk about. Um, man, the UFC is in a tough spot right now because they're one of the only they're one of the only sports that are trying to keep putting on their shows. Like most of the stuff, like, I mean, baseball is postponed, right? You're even seeing like Bellator and stuff postponed, but the UFC is trying to go on and make the show on April 18th happen. That was uh, supposed to feature Tony Ferguson and Habib, but it looks like Habib is going to be stranded in Russia right now. The UFC is scrambling to find an opponent for him. Um, it's crazy, man. And I, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about this because I mean, a lot of people were floating Gaethje Ferguson around, right? Which, I mean, those two colliding at some point is probably inevitable. But it's almost like uh, if Gaethje – and this is nothing against Justin Gaethje. If you're the, I, I'm also of the belief that if you're, in the be, you're the best in the world, right, then, I mean, you deserve to go out and earn it. So if Habib can't fight, Justin Gaethje has every right to step up and fight Tony. And it's not like I'm not going to watch that fight if it happens, right? But – it's just like it feels like Habib and Tony were at the perfect point in their careers to co to collide finally. Like it's been building up to this. They've both been hurt twice, right? The fights they've tried to make the fight four now five times. But um, I really want to see these two go at it because I feel like right now they're the two best in the division. And Justin Gaethje, just because of his style, might be well suited to beat both Ferguson and Habib just because he has such a strong wrestling base like he might be able to keep Habib off him a little bit easier but I don't know I'm also I'm also disappointed and like I, I think that when you had even if you throw Justin Gaethje in to fight Tony Ferguson right um that works because those two guys are savages right and they're just going to go in there and fight I don't think they really care if there's a crowd and I thought the same thing about Habib and Tony that's what had me so excited about this fight potentially still happening um so the fact that it's not is a fucking bummer. And I, like I said, I'm torn about whether I want it to ha to go on or not because part of me thinks that you've got what is, in my opinion, the most important fight in UFC history. Like, Habib and Tony is undoubtedly the most important matchup in the lightweight division, but maybe with maybe in the history of the sport, there's never been two guys that are riding a streak like this that like are undeniably the two respective best fighters in their division and you got to figure it out right and it's like not only 155 is also the deepest fucking weight class so i mean not it's just the magnitude of this fight is huge and you almost crowd there for it you almost want to feel the energy from everybody and it makes you wonder if maybe the best thing to do is to just wait till this all blows over and play it safe and postpone your schedule i mean it's I understand what Dana's trying to do, right? He's trying to control the market because nobody else is fucking putting on shows right now. If you're the only live sport on, you've got a really good chance of people tuning in. And I think when you saw Kevin Lee fight Charles Oliveira, that uh, the UFC that that event was like one of the number one trending things on Twitter, but nothing else was going on. It's smart of Dana to want to take advantage of this, but. It's also like, man, at, at what expense, right? You're, you're going to have to fly all these guys around and make sure that you're going to have to take all these extra precautions. It makes you wonder if the easier route is to just postpone this until all this blows over. I mean, you've got the fucking government talking about maybe, maybe shit's not ready to go until July, August. 
So I don't know, but let's assume for the sake of the rest of this conversation that they are going to put the event on on April 18th, right? The question becomes if Habib can't fill, if he can't get here from Russia, who's going to fight Tony? And I don't think J Justin Gaethje is, I don't think they've solidified that yet. Um, I think Dustin Poirier said he would be willing to. So, I mean, there's options for Tony to fight. Um, it's just a matter of whether they're going to actually end up make, getting this card together. And then, you know, you've got uh, not only all the stuff going on at 155, but then you've got Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal bickering back and forth. And they're both talking about being willing to step up and fight at this event on April 18th in order to save it, right? Both those guys train out of the USA. I think they'd be, it'd be a little bit easier to get them, uh, get them to the event and get them there safely. But I don't know what's going to happen with that. If that fight happens, that's that's one of the ones that I thought we'd maybe get to see during the summer because I know that wasn't Jorge hurt for a little bit there, and I don't know. You, you got to wonder. When I see those, anytime I see a title fight in general, right, like I understand the willingness of like fans and of the UFC to want to push that fight out there because it's such a big fight. But when I watch Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman go at it, those are, in my opinion, probably – the two best Walter Waits in the world right now. Colby Covington's obviously up there in the mix after the fight he had with Kamaru. But to me, those are the two best, right? And when I see that, I want to make – me personally, I want to make sure that we're getting, like, the the best quality product that you can give us. And I want, like, I want Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal to, to both have time to train for that fight so we can find out. Like, when you guys both have a full camp and you both get to prepare for each other – which of you is really the best, you know? And I think when you try to scramble and throw a fight together like that, I mean, yeah, it's good for the fans short-term and that it gives us something to watch and entertain us. But long-term, I don't know if you're getting the most accurate representation about what should happen in that fight, right? Like when you try to rush it and you make them prepare and scramble, like, and I worry that about a lot of the guys on this card, right? Like, so many guys that are going to be fighting on this. This is a big card coming up, right? And this is something that I hadn't really considered until I just started bullshit until right now, right? But UFC 249 is a card full of big names. I mean, you're going to – and a lot of emerging stars. So, like, Islam Makachev, Alexander Hernandez. Um, I got to pull it up. I, know, I, I, I just uh, – Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater. So, you've got all these guys who are veterans, right? And they probably have a routine and something that they're used to when they're going into fight week. Um when you throw this coronavirus in there, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Everybody has different mentalities. I'm sure there are some of these fighters that don't give a fuck either way. You probably throw them in there like, yeah, it doesn't, nothing changes for me. I'm going into fight. But you got to wonder, like, how much, what kind of product are we really getting when you start breaking up these guys' routine and you start putting them through all these strict guidelines while they're also worrying about having to go and fist fight each other? That's part of the reason that, like, like I said, Habib and Tony works because they're two guys who I genuinely, I don't think they give a fuck, but you got to wonder about the performance of the rest of the guys on the card and how much that's going to be impacted by all the shit going on and all the regulations that are going to be in place. I don't know. As, I, I, like, I, as a fan, I want to see the shit happen. I miss watching fights, right? The last one was Oliveira and Kevin Lee, then other shit got postponed. And they're trying to just hold this April 18th one together because UFC fans have been clamoring for that fight for forever. But now... I mean, is it all? I, and I think the same thing about just anybody that you give Tony Ferguson at this point has not had an adequate chance to prepare for Tony Ferguson, right? And he's an animal. Like, you want to see when you're watching the best in the world fight each other, and anyone who's going to fight Tony at 155, the only people he's probably even going to consider are top contenders. 
but don't you want to see those two get to fully prepare and find out who's the best and who game plan better and who implemented this and who adjusted here? And I don't know if you get all that when you rush these fucking fights just to make them happen, right? Now, that being said, if they put them on, I'm going to watch. I'm not saying that, but it, it does make you wonder about the quality of the product you'll get out of it and if it would be better to just wait until this was all blown over and, you know, you can resume a normal fighting schedule and the fighters can have some sense of normalcy going into fight week and all that. Um, all right, what else? I've just got a random list of shit here that's been happening, so I'm just going to fire through that. Uh, it'd be hard not to talk about what happened with John Jones getting arrested for DWI, and he's... Uh, this is another one of those things where I have like, there's the fan in me that is extremely pissed off and extremely disappointed because you want to keep believing that John is this like, he's going to get better, right? He's a champion. He's a world champion. And anything that impacts his ability to fight irritates me. Like I, you, you'll see fans and stuff saying strip him, let uh, Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes fight each other, right? Like those are two of John's more disputed victories. So let them fight for the belt, strip John of the belt. Um, you get some people who are compassionate about it. And man, I, from a fan's perspective, it's so disappointing. But if you're a human being and you're analyzing the situation, I mean, how can you not help but feel bad for the guy? He's the youngest ever UFC champion. And he clearly at this point, it's not like, a, it's not like he's fucking up. Like he is fucking up. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like this one-off thing or like this thing where he's, he, he seems to have a problem. And I mean, I don't know, man. It, it seems like he has a, gener, a legit addiction. And you got to wonder what kind of impact quarantine on a guy like that, who already is known for being crazy, who spends his life, at, he, he fights for a living, right? So he's spending all of his free time training to, I mean, beat up other human beings. And now you've got him placed in this fucking house and he can't leave and he's just supposed to stay there. And he's already a guy known for partying and getting out and being social and wild and shit, right? Like, that combination isn't going to work with him, especially if you're talking about someone who already has a problem like John does, like those demons are going to come back up. And you got to remember with someone like John, like you're only seeing headlines. You're only seeing, I got a fucking hair right here. I just noticed, but you're only seeing headlines of when bad shit happens, but you're not seeing like the struggles that John goes through in his normal life. And you're not seeing him wake up and probably like, want to fight the desire to drink and trying to find like he's probably trying to find that balance and he's just it's probably it's probably so much more difficult for him than people realize but people are just willing to attack him because he's a star right so i mean don't get me wrong if you're a fan you have every right to be disappointed that the greatest fighter of all time might have just delayed his return in some way and he's been pretty active like he's been preaching about how active he wants to stay and shit so yeah, you, you have every right to be disappointed in that. I mean, it pisses me off too. But from the human angle, right, you've got to be a little bit more considerate of the guy, I think. I think he has a legitimate problem, and I think he needs help. So it's – I know you hear people talk too about – like I you hear Joe Rogan say this a lot, right? But they say that John kind of – how crazy he is makes him a better fighter, and I think that's true. But it's like – you almost need someone around John Jones 24 seven to just kind of be checking him all the time being like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are you going to be drinking tonight? Do you need to get a ride home? You shouldn't be out driving your car. We'll do this. We'll pay this guy this money to drive you here. We just like, he needs like a life manager, like a life coach in his corner all the time, telling him what the fuck to do. Right. And not even like controlling him necessarily, just making sure that when he's making these decisions, the way that they're handled 
the aftermath of them is at least <laughs> like not so terrible. So he's not getting arrested and shit and putting himself in situations where he's driving his car around drunk with a handgun. Right. You get, I don't know the guy, he, he needs to get his mentality straight. It's correct. And it makes you wonder what kind of an impact that has on his fighting career, because I know that I, he, he has these performances where he looks lackluster. Right. And regardless of what he tells you about how excited he gets for these guys and blah, blah, blah. DC is the only, when you watch the first round of John and DC two, that is an aggressive round from John Jones. He doesn't always fight like that. So it's like, I think that also when you couple the fact that John has a drinking problem and a partying problem, when you couple that with the fact that the guys he's fighting, they don't, they're not, their names aren't that big. They're not that popular. Dominic Reyes isn't that popular. Tiago Santos isn't that popular. Like to hardcore MMA fans and people who follow the sport, yeah, I mean, it's important. And they're big names, obviously. Like we know that they're very talented individuals and that they're dangerous, right? But the general public isn't going to know the names of those two. So it's like you got to wonder how much trouble does John really have getting up and getting motivated? And then if you're bored and you're not motivated, aren't you going to be way more apt to drink? and party and do shit to alleviate the boredom because you're probably just feeling like you're going through the motions and training. So, and then you find out that this coronavirus shit's going on. Now shit's locked down till July or August. Who knows when they're going to be able to book you a fight. You're probably bored out of your goddamn mind. I mean, it's hard. I know it's hard to sympathize with them, but you have to just a little bit in my opinion. Um, all right. I saw a headline today that said Valentina Shevchenko got hurt, which is, a bummer in the sense that you don't want to see a champion like a champion get hurt, but she was going to be fighting Joanne, Joanne Calderwood at UFC 251, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, UFC 251 title fight versus Joanne Calderwood on hold. I'm on MMA Junkie looking right now. And uh, I think it was a leg injury. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure she hurt her leg and she's at a 251, but I mean, it's disappointing in the fact that you never want to see a champion get hurt, but I mean, do we really think that Joanne Carterwood is going to beat Valentina? I mean, what is going on here? The, it feels like one of the only, the only matchups for Valentina are like Amanda Nunes. And I think Amanda is just a little bit too big for her. Like, I think that's kind of been the problem in the last few fights, right? Um, that she's had against Amanda. And it, it, it's like, there. it was kind of like Mighty Mouse in the early days of the 125 pound division for men. Valentina is doing the same thing in the exact same weight class for women. It's like, there's her. And then there's a bunch of girls who are super competitive right underneath them. But it's like, you're going to need a breakout star who has a real, like maybe a specialty like Henry Cejudo did for Demetrius Johnson. And when they go in and kind of expose it or make you realize that it's possible to beat that guy even, like I personally thought that Henry Cejudo beat Mighty Mouse in their fight. I thought it was very fucking close. I don't think you could, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed if they gave it to Mighty Mouse or anything, but you need some a contender like that to come up through the ranks that's going to elevate the rest of the competition. Because right now it's just Valentina standing alone on top of these pile of bodies that she just keeps racking up. I mean, and it's like when you watch her technique and her speed, everything is just so flawless. And when you compare that to the rest of the girls in that division, it's like almost all of them have some type of hole in their game. And when you fight Valentina, it's going to get exposed, right? Um, so bummed to see her hurt, but I'm sure she'll be back. And honestly, if you're going to get hurt, if you're going to get injured and be out for a little bit, now's probably a pretty good time because the chance of that fight happening 
is probably pretty low. Well, I mean, UFC, you don't, you never fucking know, right? But I would say that it's not great. Like, there's a good chance that a lot of this stuff is going to get end up getting postponed, and there's a good chance that the UFC isn't going to be able to pull all this together like everybody thinks. I mean, if they do, hats off to them. Like I said, as far from a business perspective, it's great. I don't know if it's the best thing for the fight, but if the fighters want to do it, I mean, they want to get. You also got to think like there's two sides to this coin, right? Like, yes, the regulations that you're going to be putting them under, like they're going to be annoying and they might not get like when you're trying to rush matchups together, it might not be perfect, but you've also got a lot of guys in the UFC who are wanting a paycheck and have been training for months and have been, you know, funneling all this money into training camps and getting ready and nutrition and fine tuning their game. And then all of a sudden everything's on hold and they don't have a way to get paid. So they're looking to go out there and I mean, earn a living. This is what they do for fucking, this is what they do to make their money. So it's definitely, you know, it's definitely rough on them. So I understand from their perspective, if they want to fight and I'm sure most of them, actually, if you ask them, they probably do want to fight. I mean, they're fighters. They don't really, I'm sure most of them, it's probably nice having a crowd there, especially if you're in your hometown. Right. But I'm sure if you ask most of them, like they would probably just suit up and fight in the middle of a fucking gym or in an alley. Right. That's why they're most fighters at heart are fighters. Um, another title bout that's going to be in jeopardy and, uh, Again, let's work under the assumption for this topic that the UFC is going to push through and be able to schedule events, maybe only with U.S.-based fighters, though. Um, Henry Cejudo might have trouble getting a matchup against Jose Aldo, if that's the case, if he gets locked down in Brazil. And if he does get locked down in Brazil, the alternate that Henry Cejudo wants is Dominic Cruz. And, I mean... Cruz is obviously coming off of a long layoff. Henry probably knows that. Henry's trying to rack up title defenses, but it's not like if that matchup happens that it's an easy fight for Henry Cejudo. Because if you watch, like, the really only time that we've seen Dominic Cruz get exposed was against Cody Garbrandt. And he primarily had trouble dealing with the boxing of Cody. All of his movement kind of got shut down by a guy who, I mean, was willing to sit there and trade in the pocket. And I think that he would catch Cruz on his way in on things and just the combinations. I mean, you know, Henry Cejudo also is going to have, I mean, Olympic level wrestling that he brings to that. And I'm not sure that Dominic Cruz has fought anybody with the, with the wrestling he hasn't he hasn't fought anybody with the wrestling credentials that henry cejudo has so just because cruz's takedown defense has held up in other fights doesn't mean it will against henry cejudo but also cejudo's never dealt with anybody who moves quite like dominic cruz you know what i mean that backwards movement it might it, it might confuse him and dominic cruz might be able to hang out on the outside and dot him up so in my opinion regardless of how long dominic cruz has been out when you put him into a fight, he's going to be competitive. He's one of the best bantamweights of all time. And I, I feel bad because I feel like people start to envision him as more of an analyst now because he's, he's in such a weird position where he, how old is Dominic Cruz? He's got to be getting a little older now, but he's either, he's probably closer to his way out. Right. I mean, he's probably a little past his prime, but one of the best bantamweights ever, and he should be fighting regularly. And it's the guy just can't stay healthy. But um, I think that people tend to overlook him a little bit and forget how legit of a challenge and what a complicated puzzle he really is to solve. And how just because we had one guy in Cody Garbrandt who really fucking, he, he solved the problem and he did it well, right? It doesn't mean that Henry Cejudo has the same skill set that Cody does to be able to solve that dominant Cruz problem. Um, 
So to me, that's an interesting fight. But the problem with that fight, of course, is that you've got so many fucking defenders waiting in the wings. Like you've got or, or challengers. You've got Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sandhagen, Piotr Jan. Those, those when, when I think of 135 and who is most deserving of a title shot, those are the first three that immediately pop into my mind. They need to settle things. They need to get shit figured out between those guys. And Jose Aldo's in the mix now after that fight against Marlon Marais. I felt like Aldo won the fight. I could see how you could score it for either based on the current scoring system. But Aldo's, but, but to me, the staples in that division and the guys who really need to be working out who's the best in the world are those three sterling sandhag and piotr Jan, and obviously cejudo right but um i would prefer especially considering the fact that cejudo has been staying active um i mean relatively at least right more so than dominant cruz i would prefer that he fight a top contender in that weight class like i don't think cruz is necessarily a top contender right now no offense if you can't stay healthy though you can't fight and I think you've got guys who have been out there and earning it. And, you know, it's a little more fair to give someone who's been fighting a, a crack, in my opinion. Like, they've been in, they've been doing work within the division, whereas Dominic Cruz, unfortunately, I mean, regardless of what the circumstances are, just hasn't been putting in the time that some of these guys have. And then you've got Corey Sandhagen, and he's in kind of a weird situation where, like, I think that everybody realizes what a valid threat he is. And there are those guys that are like right on the cusp of title contention. And you know that if you fight him, you might lose. And I'm biased, right? Because like our, he, he trains at Easton and stuff. And uh, that's, that's where I do jujitsu. I'm not associated with any of the pro level teams. But I, when I watch the guy fight, he's just got everything that you would want in that weight class in a world champion. His stand-up is phenomenal. He switches stances so fluidly. He's long. He's powerful. He has a great ground game, great submission defense. And, I mean, he's he, – to me, he's the best – if I had to pick who is the – I mean, it's obviously Cejudo. Because it's hard to deny that. But out of the challengers left at 135, Corey Sandhagen is the most promising to me. When I look at like all the guys in that division, I think he's his game, his, his skill set is so hard to deal with. Like you saw his fight against Tafayo Sunsau, right? And I mean, beat a Sunsau. Who did he beat right before that? Uh, John Lineker. Uh, I think that ended up being like a split decision or some shit. And I know there was some controversy, but I thought Corey won that fight. John Lineker is a hard guy to deal with too. But when you look at everything that he can do, I think he he's he's the most credible threat. And uh, like I said, I'm obviously fucking biased, so you can feel free to disagree with me on that. All right. Um, man, I don't really know what else to talk about. Uh, like I said, I just kind of got on here to start bullshitting about some stuff that's been going on. All this uh, coronavirus stuff has been crazy. Obviously throwing the schedules way off. But uh, I think I'm going to wrap this one up. And uh, I'll probably put another one out later in the week as things start to develop and we find out what this UFC 249 card is really going to really going to end up looking like because like i said you've got potential for jorge masvidal and kamaru usman they're talking about finding a replacement for tony ferguson and the card's already stacked i mean on the card right now you have jeremy stevens and calvin cater kick things off at according to the current schedule right then you've got like islam makachev and uh alexander hernandez fighting magomed and kalayev and young kutaleba are rematching jack Andrade and rosnama Yunez. Rose Nama Yunus has probably the most deceiving record in MMA. 
She's eight and four. She beat Yoani on Chechek twice. She's been a world champion. But that's such like an underwhelming record. And she's probably, in my opinion, if you watch her first fight against Jessica Andrade, and it's good that they're going to rematch because Rose was dotting her up. I mean, putting on a fucking, she was putting on a clinic. And Jessica, and it had happened a couple times in the fight where Jessica was trying to slam her. And Rose locked up like a Kimura grip that was preventing the takedown, but then Rose just, or Jessica just got underneath her and fucking slammed her and knocked her out cold, right? So, but for the majority of that fight, Rose was picking her apart. And I mean, Rose has a nasty ground game. She has beautiful footwork. His, her striking has come a long way. Uh, so it's just weird to think that Rose is eight and four and is maybe, maybe the best straw weight in the world right now. Wouldn't you love, after seeing that fight it with Jess, between uh, Ye Yoani and Chaytrek and uh, Wei Li Zhang, wouldn't you love to see Rose go fight Wei Li now? To me, that's, I, and I mean, not to discredit the fight that's going to come up with Jessica Andrade, but I think that Rose is going to make some adjustments, and I think it's going to be very hard for Jessica to beat Rose twice. I think that Rose is going to go out, outpoint her, pick up the win, and then you'll probably be talking about Zhang Weili and Rose Namajunas fighting for the title. So, um, yeah, just I was just looking at a record and seeing eight and four, and that's on MMA Junkie. I don't know if that's accurate, but if so, it's just such a weird fucking record to have for someone who might be the best in the world. You know what I mean? But like I said, I think that, I think I've ran through everything I want to. I'm sure there's more we could talk about, but like I said all the big shit is going to be revolving around whether they get this card put together on the 18th. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. I know this was choppy. I did. I just had a couple things written down. So no agenda and just wanted to get back into this to, uh, you know, kind of try to sort through all the madness that's been happening the past few weeks. But um, yeah, like I said, thank you for tuning in. Um, check us out on Instagram, uh, mixed martial analysis on there. We're on Twitter. Uh, you can get the podcast if you're listening on YouTube, right? Well, you're obviously, if you're listening live, you're listening on YouTube, right? But it's also available on any major podcast platform provider, whatever you use to download your shows, you can find it there. And um, if you're listening, if you're catching this later after the live stream on one of those, uh, one of those podcasts, if you're listening to like, if you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, check us out on YouTube and subscribe to the channel there. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Stay safe. Stay sanitized. Bye-bye.